Lord, we do cry out for you. We need you. And we want to bring you praise in all that we say and all that we do. Now, Lord, please open our hearts to hear your word as you speak to us. Thank you for your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark and Rebecca, this morning for helping lead us a little bit closer to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, uh, you can open up to Psalm 139. I do have the words on the screen that we'll go through a little piece by piece. We are continuing on in our series called Dangerous Prayers. We've looked at three of them so far. We've explored Make Me Bold a couple weeks ago, Speak to Me, and then last week we focused on the simple prayer, although the hard one, Break Me, Lord. Break my heart, O Lord, for the things that break yours. Today we look at a dangerous prayer from the Psalms. This is a psalm that was written by David. Remember David, the young shepherd boy who becomes a giant slayer and eventually the king of Israel. He writes a psalm about how nothing is truly hidden from God. Even though we think that we can hide from God or hide things from God, our experience shows us over time that nothing is hidden from God. This psalm, Psalm 139, is honest, it's open, it's even a little raw, and it ends with the courage to ask God bluntly, and this is the prayer, Search me, O God. Search me, O God. I put that on the back of your bulletin um, along with some reflection questions for a little bit later on or as you think more about this prayer in the days to come. I want to read the two verses from this psalm that comprise this particular prayer. Search me, O God. It's verses, it's actually the last two verses in this psalm. Verse 23 and 24. This is what it says. It says, Search me, O God, and what? Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Two verses, verses 23 and 24. So search me, O God, is the short version. This is sort of the slightly extended version from these two verses. This is a simple dangerous and necessary prayer for us. This is even a good one because it's not that long to write it down on a little card, keep it in your wallet, or put it on as a notification on your phone. It's a great prayer to pray when you are feeling like you're getting off track. When you're feeling like your will is taking over your life instead of God's will for your life. This is a prayer that ultimately can help keep us from going astray. Now, Psalm 139 ends this way, thankfully, because it acknowledges that our thoughts, our beliefs, and especially our hearts are fickle. That means they can lead us astray, sometimes without even realizing it. We like to think that our hearts are good and pure, 
And often they are that, but they are also, our hearts can betray us. They can lead us away from the things that God has in store for us, especially the things that are best for us. Even though we don't completely understand our deepest motivations, we can never fully understand the the depths of our own hearts. The good news is God does. God not only knows your heart, he knows your heart better than you do, better than I do, better than we do. So it's a necessary prayer for us to learn, where we ask God to reveal what is keeping us from the fullness of life that he has in store for us. See, God desires for each of his people, each of his children, as he calls us, to experience the abundant life. The problem with that is, is we often want to go our own way, or we go astray. Truthfully, it's a journey to be able to pray this prayer for any of us, and it was for David as well. So actually, I want to look at this psalm in reverse order. We're going to go back to the beginning of it and see how did David get to the point where he was able to pray pray this prayer. Because if you ask God to search you and to know your heart and to test what is in you, you better believe that he is going to answer you. And the scary news is that we don't always like what's in there. And we certainly don't want God to point out the things that are drawing us away from him. However, remember where it leads to, the very end. After God has pointed out that stuff, it says, lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's what he promises to do, even if it's painful to hear what's going on in your heart. Let's start at the beginning of Psalm 139. This is, you could consider it Act 1 of this story. We know David has a very complicated history. He starts out as a young boy, the youngest son, and not very highly regarded by some of his own siblings. He goes to the front lines of battle, not to fight, but to actually deliver food for his brothers. The, the, quote, real men who were putting their lives on the line. But when he gets to the battle, he discovers that the army is too afraid to fight. And they're afraid because this nine-foot giant, Goliath, is there. And David doesn't like this at all. So the unlikeliest person steps up to bat. And he slays the giant. Not just because he was a giant, but because this giant, Goliath, was uh, he was speaking badly about the people of God, and he actually was taunting them and taunting God as well. Later on in David's life, when he becomes king, we know that he makes a bunch of mistakes. He lusts after another woman. He has this woman's husband killed so that she can become his wife. He makes a ton of mistakes. He tries to cover it up at first, But eventually he comes clean, and God says, I need your whole heart here. And he does. He responds. The Lord knows us better than we know ourselves. And the primary desire of God's heart is to have a relationship with you. When we start at the beginning of this psalm, 
We know this because it is full of relational language. There's a lot of you and I. So let me read the first six verses, starting in verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. That one always gets me. I don't like that one in particular. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So this is where David starts out his song. He's praising God that God actually knows him and has stuck with him. See, he's writing this after he's lived a life and made a lot of good steps and a lot of big missteps. The language is like God speaking personally to each of us. Examined, searching, investigating the heart. It says, know my thoughts. You see the when and the where and you know what I do, even though sometimes we wish that wasn't true. We certainly don't want God always to know the when and where and what. You know what I'm going to say before I do. The times where I misspeak or I speak a harsh word, God has already known that that's what I was going to say. I particularly like verse 5 where it says, You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And the image that verse 5 is trying to paint for us is like a mother hen protecting her little baby chicks. I like this. I know it's a little bit hard to see with the light, but I love how the little baby is under the wing of the mom. This is the image that God is trying to paint to each of us, that this is how God wants to care for us. It's like a parent reaching out to protect their child as they walk through life. When we think of God keeping watch over us, see, it can be scary to think that God knows us better than ourselves. He knows everything about us. But in another sense, that's a good thing. Because God actually desires to comfort us and walk with us. It reminds us that this is all of what God does for us, even when we cannot, for ourselves. We are dependent on God. God is not dependent on us. When we take a step back and we think the creator of the universe desires to have a personal relationship with you. It, it, whenever I think about that, that blows my mind. Sometimes I honestly think, doesn't God have more important things to do than worry about every aspect of my life? Yet this is how God shows his immense love for us. God knows everything. He knows all of the stuff that we are too afraid to handle or the things that we want to forget. And the reason that this is a good thing is we can trust God to act in our own best interests. See, I don't always trust myself to act in my best interests. I will act in ways that actually bring me away from the Lord. But God will always act in ways that draw me closer to Him. 
God knows you up close and personally, not merely from a distance. He doesn't just know you from an intellectual standpoint, know about you. He knows you from a relational standpoint, close. Let me read the next set of verses, verse 7 through 12. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Even though there's nowhere to go, we know we're human. We still try to run away and hide from God, even though it's impossible to run and hide from the one who loves and cares for us. God is available actually to guide us. See, we don't have to hide from God, just like Adam and Eve. As soon as they had made the mistake in the Garden of Eden, what's the first thing that they tried to do? They tried to hide from God. And what does God say to them? He asked them a question. He said, where are you? See, he wants to be in a relationship with us no matter how many times we run away. Yeah, I like this little boy. He can't see me. He can't see me. I'm hiding. This is a good thing because only God can be trusted in this way. Only God has the wisdom and compassion and grace to know all of your secrets and hidden faults, and yet he still is a faithful, faithful, forgiving God. I find it encouraging that even though the night is dark and it might feel in your life right now like it's a dark night of the soul, that darkness is as light to God. In fact, the darkness and gloom doesn't stand a chance when faced with the brilliance of God's presence. It can illuminate every aspect of darkness in us. Every ounce of anxiety that we might have, the worries that we hold in our hearts, the closer we get to God, the more He shines into us. Let me read the next section. So far up to this point, everything seems pretty good from David's perspective. This seems like a pretty straightforward psalm of praise, like we would normally read. Let me read the next section. Verse 13. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. And from David's perspective, he's thinking, no matter what I've done, you're still with me. And that can be a comforting thought for us as well. 
God created us carefully and intentionally. This means that you are not an accident. And you're not some random piece of cosmic dust that happened to just come together in just the right way. No, you were purposefully and wonderfully handcrafted. If you were in the art world, you would be known as a one of one, a masterpiece, a single work that is unique and purposeful. How does the psalm sound so far? Pretty good? Yeah, David's he's sharing his experience of what is going on, and everything sounds super wonderful by this point. Yeah, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He loves us. He handcrafted us. And this is where the psalm takes a surprising turn as David records his human brain in all its force. Let me read the next verses, verses 19 through 22. They're very jarring compared to the first 18. It says, Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred. For your enemies are my enemies. Kind of out of character for the psalm so far. It's been a very positive, encouraging, comforting psalm. And then all of a sudden we get this like, where did all this anger come from? Where did all this uh, sense of righteous hatred come from? At least from David's perspective. Well, it comes from his heart. It comes from our fickle hearts. David reveals that our hearts actually have a mind of their own as he shares the conflict that roils within him. See, we, we do this too sometimes. We find it easy to get angry and to say, man, God must really need me to defend him. He must really need me to take a stand because apparently he's not doing it on his own. David feels the same way. We want to rush God along to take care of all those baddies that are lined up against him. And especially those who are talking smack about God. And so we'd say things like, how about a little smiting, Lord? I actually knew a, a gentleman who, tongue-in-cheek, when he would say a prayer at grace, you know, thank, thank God for the food, and then he would end his prayer with, and Lord, smite thine enemies. Just as a reminder that from this psalm, he said it kind of tongue-in-cheek because the interesting thing is, is Jesus in Matthew 5 tells us the complete opposite. He said, not, a, you know, not only is it inappropriate for us to pray that anymore, if, in fact, we're supposed to do the opposite now. We're supposed to pray for our enemies and for those who persecute us. And if someone comes against us or wants our coat, we give it to them. Instead of one mile, we go two miles. Jesus flips this totally on its head. So when David says these words all those years earlier, he thinks that he's right in this moment, that he has this righteous anger. But here's the problem. While we should want what God desires, 
and oppose what God opposes, we are incapable of doing this well. In fact, we tend to screw it up far too often. We're tempted to take matters into our own hands instead of continuing to follow the way of the Lord. And our sense of rightness or our moral outrage can actually betray us, seducing our minds into believing God needs us to defend him. The truth is, it's not hard to get fired up when it comes to who we perceive are God's enemies. That's the easy path. The harder path is the one where we show love, compassion, and mercy to those who offend God, including ourselves. So David ends his thoughts with a check on himself. The last two verses, it comes all full circle to the very end of the psalm. He offers a prayer that helps us when we are tempted to go it alone. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, David's heart, what he wants and desires, has already betrayed him in the past, and he knows this. So even though he still has some of those feelings within, he says, Lord, I need you to be the one to examine me. I need you to tell me if my desires are aligned to yours. I need you to help me understand if my will is matching your will for me. He directs this prayer completely to God. He doesn't trust himself in this moment. He asks God to do these hard things because we need God to reveal our innermost desires and motivations. Have you ever lost something in your home? How hard did you have to search to find it? We have something that we lost recently and we still haven't quite found it yet. I know it's existing probably in a pile of papers somewhere. How hard did you search to find something that you lost? And when you were searching for it, you might have even discovered other things that you lost along the way, but you didn't even realize it at the time that those things were lost. You're like, oh! Here's where that thing that I've been missing for like two years and I didn't even know that it was lost or I had forgotten about it. This is the kind of idea that David is trying to communicate in his prayer. To search us is to examine thoroughly, to dig deep. It's, being, it's like standing in a courtroom and being cross-examined. You know, they go hard at you. They try to confirm your story. They ask you lots of questions. Put me under the microscope, O Lord. Have my thoughts and desires and actions, the things that I believe, have they actually become idols to me? Have they become my false gods? My heart is rebellious by nature. So friends, we need the Lord to search us and test us and to know our anxious thoughts to point out what is keeping us from that life-giving relationship. This is dangerous to pray. Just like the other prayers we've looked at, when we pray them, God will answer these prayers, whether we like it or not. This prayer can show us that we can easily be wrong.
This is a very humble prayer, in my opinion, or at least one that keeps us humble. With all our worries and obsessions, don't worry. God has more than enough work to continue to do in us to lead us along his pathway, his way that the psalm says of everlasting life. This is why the prayer leads to that final step. Are we willing to submit to God's leading, which is the path of everlasting life? This prayer expresses our desire for God to conform our will to his, which is why it's both dangerous and necessary. When we pray this, God will show you what needs to change. He'll also show you maybe what's going right as well. And this is a wonderful encouragement for us. No matter how wayward or off we are, like David was in his life, he made some horrible mistakes. God isn't done with us yet either. And for that, we can thank him for his wonderful, wonderful grace. I like this particular picture, and I chose this one for a reason, because there is an end point that God has in mind for each one of us. But it's not always a straight path. In fact, I know in my life, it has not always been a very straight and easy path to follow Jesus. And I know some of you have had similar experiences in your life. One of the cool things that we get to do is we have certain touch points. And so one of those today is a chance to come to the table. And as we prepare to come to the table today, what I would encourage you to do is to maybe pray in your heart those two verses, verses 23 and 24, that God would search you, that God would actually reveal himself in a way that you sense that he knows your heart. He actually knows your anxious thoughts that you have right now. I put a few verse, or a few questions on the back of your bulletin. Have you ever asked God to search you? If not, why not? But if so, what did God show you? What concerns are keeping you up at night? What would entrusting your anxious thoughts to God free you to focus on? I know the anxious thoughts I have. And I know that you know yours. And then with all that, how is God encouraging you to take action in these, in these areas? I want to pray before we come to the table. And this is our prayer up here. Search us and know us. Reveal our offenses. Lead us on our way. So let's pray. God, search us. We know that it's not always comfortable. But we know that you are trustworthy to do this in a way that will actually lead to our healing and our growth and will increase our faith in you and faithfulness in following you. Lord, before we come to your table this morning to receive these gifts from creation, before you nourish us, we reveal all that is within us today that is not pleasing in your sight. 
Reveal the ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart. The sins that we have committed or the sins that we've committed by omitting something. Lord, we confess that to you today and we ask for your forgiveness. We know that when we do that, you are faithful to forgive us. And so we give you thanks for that. Will you lead each person here, both today and in the days ahead this week, lead us further along your way, your path, the path of everlasting life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 It is true that only Jesus can raise a life. And our prayer as we go forward is that he would continue to raise yours. Jeremiah 6 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. So church, travel that path and you will find rest for yourselves. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Have a great week.